Spectrum is brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. The Scripps College offers the foundation for individuals seeking to blend creativity and practice so that graduates have the freedom to direct their skills and move the world forward. Its faculty takes a multidisciplinary approach to academic, professional, and social growth so that graduates have relentless optimism to navigate the changing environment. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. I'm your host, Tom Hudson. On Spectrum, we cover a wide range of topics that are important to our lives. We feature journalists, authors, scholars, policymakers, activists, scientists, innovators, and sometimes people who just have fascinating stories. Today, we talk with host and creator Sherry Russo about her new podcast, Who Lies Beneath? It's a series that features the amazing true stories of people who were buried in numbered graves in the cemeteries of an abandoned mental health facility, once called a lunatic asylum. Sherry, give us an idea, if you could, in just a couple of sentences, what who lies beneath what it is. Wow, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> but I will try. A couple sentences is where it gets tough. But uh, it's actually, it, it's a podcast about restoring dignity and respect. That's the basic way that I like to boil it down. Um, there were people um, in in Athens, Ohio, and across the country um, at medical institutions, you know, throughout the United States that were buried under numbered tombstones when they were institutionalized for whatever reason. They were buried under numbered tombstones um, if their family did not claim them and take them to be buried at home. So there are no names, there are no dates. They're just numbers in a cemetery. And there were actual people who are buried under these tombstones that we're going to um, use this podcast to restore dignity and respect to their lives and tell their stories. So how have you found out their stories? And I know that you uh, worked on the one here in Athens, Ohio, because uh, you had a cohort that helped you. Yes. Yeah, so um, the one in Athens, Ohio, is um, there are three cemeteries on the grounds of the old Athens Lunatic Asylum. And several years ago now, um, the local NAMI chapter, um, National Alliance for Mental Illness, um, and and some local people just started working on cleaning up the cemeteries um, and making them look respectable because they were kind of run down. And in the process of that, uh, a local researcher um, who is a librarian, and a library archivist, his name is Doug McCabe, he started doing research on how to find the names of the people buried under the numbers and found the asylum grave book and then started using, you know, record public records that are available to connect those names to those numbers and, and kind of put the pieces together of that person's life story and how they ended up at the asylum. And, you know, then you really start to dig into was it a valid reason? Um, and those kinds of things. And so you get into some really interesting stories. Also, their present day descendants are looking for them. Some of them are doing 
ancestry and genealogy, and they're trying to find that missing piece of their family tree. So, so Doug, through that research, was able to connect the families to the person who's buried under the number um, in Athens. So that's kind of how that project got started. Personally, how I got involved with it was that I heard, um, I saw, read a local newspaper article on what they were doing up there, and they told the story of one of uh, the the women buried under the numbers up there. And her name was Viola Rapp. And she uh, had postpartum depression, which is something that I personally suffered through with both of my children. So I had a real connection to her. Um, she was institutionalized because of that and then ended up dying there after contract contracting tuberculosis. Um, and no one ever claimed her. And so she was buried under a number. And at the time, her daughter, I believe, was um, four years old and ended up going into, um, uh, was adopted, had to, you know, had to find a whole new family, never really knew what happened to her mom. And so this project actually, uh, allowed her to come back to town and have, um, a burial ceremony, so to speak, uh, you know, just a, a funeral to say goodbye to her mom, which was something she was never able to do. So, so that story really touched me. And then, um, and then, you know, I started working on, on putting together the other stories with Doug. I know that uh, you did a video documentary that was on public television uh, about this, uh, what, about 10 years ago? Yeah, roughly about 10 years ago. Yeah, it was called um, the 1900 because there are 1900 people buried in those three cemeteries. Um, not all of them are under numbered tombstones, but most of them are. Um, and so, uh, so we ended up uh, doing the documentary and doing it from a first person style account where we used voice actors to come in and be that person and tell their story. So it was a way to give a voice to the voiceless. Um, and that's the same kind of style that we use in this podcast because it was just when it aired um, on public television, it was so powerful to to give those people a voice and to and to hear them tell their own story and give them kind of the power back that was lost in life for them. Um, and so we're using that same style um, in this podcast. During that period, you had a lot of people who were uh, institutionalized for uh, what we would think would be common mental difficulties or emotional difficulties today. For example, you mentioned postpartum depression was something where this woman was institutionalized for. What other kinds of common mental illnesses or mental difficulties that we see today were institutionalized back then? Well, there are a lot of veterans um, buried up on um, in Athens at the uh, in the cemeteries in Athens, and you know we know today that PTSD, um, post traumatic stress disorder, is something that those who serve often come back with and have to deal with. But people didn't really understand that then, so it was just you know this person served in war and they came back and they they were insane, and so they just took them to the asylum to deal with that. Um, there were also a lot of non-related mental illness issues where people were institutionalized. Um, you know, there were, uh, there were stories of, of men who insti had their wife institutionalized because 
they found somebody else and they just wanted to be able to move on. Um, there are stories. Uh, there was a guy in Nelsonville who was institutionalized. He worked for a coal mine and he wanted to unionize. And somehow they figured out a way to get him institutionalized to kind of squash that effort. So um, Nelsonville, you know, Ohio, which was yes. part of part of the the coal fields uh, right? that that. Uh, supplied Pittsburgh with uh, much of the coal to build steel. Right. Correct. Yes. And, uh, and, you know, so it, so I think an insane asylum, you think, you think that everyone there had some type of mental distress, but back in the day, that wasn't necessarily the case. And so some of these stories that we're uncovering show that not all the reasons that people were institutionalized had to do with mental illness. Alcoholism was also uh, part of institutionalization, correct? Yes, uh, alcoholism was um, just, you know, in general, if I had to put an umbrella over what people would um, get institutionalized for, it would be things that people back then didn't know how to deal with. You know, it was just, this was something different, um, something that caused problems in their lives, and they didn't have the skills to deal with it. So it was you know, there wasn't the kind of treatment options that are available now as far as going to see someone to talk through your issues or family counseling or whatever that would be. So this was the this was the only solution that they came up with. People were also institutionalized for um, sexually tra- having contracted sexually transmitted diseases because people didn't know how to syphilis in particular because no one knew how to deal with that and treat that in, in their homes. So there were a lot of different reasons that people ended up at the insane asylums. Now, this burying people in numbered graves is something that you have found that has occurred across the country? Not yes. just at the Athens Lunatic Asylum? Correct. Um, it seems to be, you know, D- Doug McCabe, who I mentioned earlier, who's done a lot of research on this, tried to find out the reason. He's tried to find documentation for the reason that um, the Athens Asylum chose to bury people under numbered tombstones. And he can't find anything. But what he has found is that across the country, um, this method was used. And and it appears that it was because all of these insane um, asylums were run um, by the government or, you know, by an institution that had to had to use taxpayer dollars. Um, they wanted to find the cheapest way to deal with the people who died and were not claimed by their families. And you know, having uh, an, a marker engraved with someone's name and the dates of their life, that's a little expensive. It could get it could get a little expensive over time. So this was the most cost effective way to be able to bury these people by just putting them under a number. And if I recall, not all of them uh, were buried in any form of casted casket or coffin. Uh, many of them were just buried, correct? Yes. Um, there is, you know, I think Doug looked into that um, and has found that that is what is believed to be the case, although I don't think he found any any concrete proof. But um, they weren't, it, what he learned from what the lore of the time was, is that they weren't embalmed. They, you know, they were only buried four feet deep. So they weren't treated And I keep going back to these words with the dignity and respect of people who, you know, lived a life, who deserved, who at least deserved to be 
treated well in death. Um, it, it appears that that it was all about cost effectiveness. So the stories that are going to be in this podcast sort of break them down. What can people anticipate hearing? Well, I think um, I think they're going to be. Um, pleasantly, I don't know if pleasantly is the right word, they're going to be surprised um, by the different stories. As I alluded to earlier, there were so many different reasons um, that that people were institutionalized. Um, and I think the other thing that's going to surprise them is just, you know, in some cases with the, with the mental illnesses that these people have, we really haven't come that far in eliminating the stigma associated with those diseases um, today. You know, I had postpartum depression, as I mentioned earlier, and I really felt isolated by that because, you know, it's a time in your life where you're supposed to be the happiest that you've ever been. And everybody and, tells you that too, right? right. <laughs> everybody, everybody tells you that and you're not, and you, and you're ashamed of that. And, and, you know, it took me a, it took me a long time to be able to not be ashamed of the fact that, that I had to deal with this. And so, you know, I'm sure that was even more the case back when Viola Rapp was institutionalized. And I don't even think they had it probably even had a name for it back then, but we really haven't even come, you know, come very far on those things. So I think when you hear the person tell their own story with the facts that we know about their life, um, it makes them it makes them a person. You give them a name, you give them a life story. Um, and, and all of a sudden you really realize that, that even though we've, we've come a long way in dealing with mental illness and helping people who are suffering, we still have a long ways to go. Um, the other thing I think that people are, are going to enjoy when they hear this podcast is that, um, many, in many cases we've, uh, contacted family members, um, descendants of these people who are alive today, um, some of which, you know, knew this person or or knew of this person um, and can kind of uh, fill in some of the blanks um, that Doug couldn't find with his research. And then also talk about how important it was for them to be able to find this person and um, install a, a flat gl- grave marker at the cemetery with their name on it. Just the, the power behind that. So I think I think there's there's several things in this podcast that are really powerful that I think people will enjoy. Well, Viola Rapp, I believe, is your uh, first uh, episode that focuses on an individual, but but there also then is a uh, an immigrant that that you highlight as well. Uh, yeah, a German immigrant. Um, uh, he was a Civil War soldier. Um, we also have um, we also have a really interesting, ironic. Um, story where we feature two um, Civil War veterans, one who fought for the Union and one who fought for the Confederacy, and they're buried right next to each other under numbered tombstones um, in Athens, Ohio. Um, and the Union soldier was actually an African-American Union soldier. Um, so um, so that, you know, that irony and the fact that these two who were 
adamantly against each other um, in life. Uh, we're buried right next to each other um, at the asylum. is just is just an interesting side note to two very very complex stories of people who ended up there. Um, but there are so many. There are so we, we talk about you know women who were institutionalized. I kind of mentioned that earlier that sometimes. Husbands would have women institutionalized just because they were ready to move on. Um, and we also have women who were who were institutionalized um, after after suffering through tragedy, um, losing their children. Uh, one woman lost her whole family, I believe, within a couple of weeks of each other in tragedies. And then just people not knowing what to do with them. And we and we talked to Jackie Wolf, who is a um, Ohio University uh, professor um, who really uh, can, who's an expert in women's health issues. And so she kind of goes back into the history of how women were treated at that time um, in dealing with those kinds of issues. In when they lost children, they were devalued for, you know, if they had a miscarriage, they were devalued. Um, and so the, it, it gets really complex and interesting when we start to look into the context of the time that this was happening and and the differences in how people were treated based on based on color based on you know um, sex female or male you know based on all of those things um, you know they could be institutionalized for so many different reasons we'll be back after this message the Scripps College of Communication is designed to bring forth the people who bring forth knowledge by word or image or data stream and in every medium and by all means it succeeds. The Scripps College of Communication is where one generation of thought leaders and storytellers opens the doors for the next. Educating and inspiring each other bridging disciplines, forging connections, pushing beyond the syllabus and beyond limits. And because all participants belong to a far-reaching community of achievers, they reach higher and further, not just ready for change, but hungry for it, demanding that ideas be heard, perspectives shared, and visions realized. This is how the Scripps College moves the world forward. This is what knowledge demands. And this is why the Scripps College of Communications exists. To make it loud. To make it clear. Make it known. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. It seems like so many of the the women's issues surrounded uh, children in childbearing and the the whole process uh, of that and some of the tragedies that that occurred as as a result of that. Uh, did that strike you as you were doing these stories? Yes, absolutely. Um, it seemed to me in, in in talking with Jackie Wolf and hearing, you know, the details of the stories of these women. She's a medical historian, I think, by, by by discipline, correct? Correct, correct. Okay. And and um, you know, in hearing, you know, what what she had to say about just how 
how the women were valued at that time and or or and, not <laughs> or not the, the lack of value i guess i should have said um and you know and it did have a lot to do it was a, a lot around childbearing and if you couldn't be successful in that your your worth lowered even more um so if you struggled with with having a child or you had a child who had some type of defect upon birth you were labeled you know you were labeled as as not adequate as as not living up to what you know a woman should be um and and so there's a lot of that that's kind of behind the scenes of why these women were institutionalized um viola rap you know she she had a child who who died at childbirth and then she had a child who was born with um, a defect and the name's escaping me. I want to say like encephalitis or something like that. I can't remember the exact name of it. But, um, but you know, she, in Jackie's opinion and others we've talked to, she was probably, you know, labeled as, as a woman who, who couldn't perform her duties in the marriage very well because this wasn't this wasn't happening the way that it should, um, and so you know that that could have had a lot to do with her institutionalization, if I could talk um, as well. <laughs> if we match that with sort of the the religious fervor of of the day, institutionalizing a woman who you could label as mentally defective or insane. Uh, allowed the male to uh, legally get a divorce and go forward with another marriage and another family. Right. Uh, that that was a, a repetitive pattern during that time. Yes, yes. And in and in Viola's case, her children that survived that you know that she had had before these last two pregnancies before she was institutionalized they were put into the adoption system um and you know were never really allowed to question or ask what happened to their mom um you know until much later in life when when Viola, when Viola's daughter had her own children and they started asking what happened to grandma, you know, then they started looking into it um, and they were able to track her down um, at the asylum in Athens. So, um, you know, yeah, there, there were, it was, it, what I've learned by doing this podcast is that every story, you can't just put like a, you know, um, a typical kind of story together on this because each one is so complex and has so many different issues involved in how that person ended up at the asylum and ended up being unclaimed by their family when they died. I think that's, that's another thing that's really important to note is that they, many people who died at the asylum were claimed by their families, brought home and buried in their family cemetery or, you know, with the rest of their family. These people, for whatever reason, were unclaimed and, and you can make, right, abandoned. And you can make a lot of, um, probably proper assumptions about the fact that, that that family, for whatever reason, didn't want to be associated with someone who is considered to be insane. So having that person's name, not associated with their family in the family cemetery or at the family plot um, was just easier for them. So they, they just didn't claim them. So who lies beneath podcast that 
that is dropping right now as as we speak. Uh, what can people expect? You know, is it uh, episodic? Uh, how many episodes? Uh, over what period of time? What's the future of it? Talk about the the podcast itself. Sure. Well, we're going to, we have seven episodes currently, which are going to drop once a week on Thursdays um, throughout all seven episodes. So it's a limited series podcast at this point. Um, but we hope, what we hope comes out of this and and actually just in the promotion of it, Tom, we've already heard from two or three people who um, have family members that they think are buried up there that they are asking for our help in putting the pieces together. So what we hope is that we'll hear from more people as the podcast is released um, who have their own own relative that they think might be buried there or know the details of a relative that's buried there to share that story with us so that we could do a a season two um, of this podcast. And also, you know, we would like to hear from people either um, through our, uh, through our, our social media pages or however, you know, asking questions that, that we can answer that we can, you know, I want to do a, uh, final episode of this podcast, um, of this season one of this podcast, uh, an episode eight, just of who we've heard from, what stories we're looking into, and answering questions that people have had while they listen to the podcast, things that they didn't know before that maybe Doug can answer, or we can we can start to do the research on to see what we can find out and learn to share more in season two. It seems like you have a, a really fine team put together to to do these podcasts. You have a, an archivist, a, a library archivist, who is is schooled in research. You're a, a veteran storyteller. You've got uh, Dr. Jackie Wolf, who's a medical historian. You have a lot of people who uh, are willing to give their time to give some dignity to these folks. Oh, absolutely. Um, We also have uh, Lisa Skeens, who's a social work professor at Ohio University, Lancaster, um, who who also is a therapist and uh, works with people with PTSD. She's um, offered her insights into it. And Paul LaRue, who's on the State Board of Education, um, he was a social studies history teacher in high schools and has done a lot of research on veterans and installing proper grave markers at veteran sites across the state, uh, grave sites across the state, um, where he he offers some insights. So, yeah, they all... um, they all realize and uh, were quick to say yes when I asked if they would be a part of this, um, just the because of the importance of just giving this these people, uh, you know, a little bit, a little bit of their life, a little bit of their power, that dignity and respect that we keep talking about, just giving that to them um, because they didn't have it in life. Before I forget, this is who lies beneath. And it's available through Apple Podcasts. It's available through Google Podcasts. It's available through Stitcher. Uh, it's on NPR One. And also will be available through the NPR Podcast Directory. Uh uh, did I miss anything? Did I miss <laughs> any outlet for you? Oh, yes. Think- y- your your own home uh, website. 
Oh yes, WOUB. This is this is produced by WOUB Public Media in Athens, Ohio. So if you go to WOUB.org um, on the listen page, uh, you'll be able to find this podcast along with all the other podcasts we produce. It, this is the easiest way to do podcasting, and and uh, let me just talk about this for a moment because you can subscribe. Obviously, we uh, hope that you subscribe to all of the podcasts that we talk about and to our podcast. You can subscribe and get downloads sent to you every week, or if you're not comfortable with doing that, and I know some people aren't, uh, the WOUB Listen page is a very easy way to listen to podcasts. There, I think, are three or four back episodes uh, there that you can sort of scroll through, and you don't have to subscribe to anything, correct? Correct. Yeah, it's it's just right there for your for you just to click and listen to, and then you can come back the next week and listen to the next episode. So I, I'm curious and interested in what you want to do with this in the future. And, and I know you sort of started at your home base, but, but you have bigger dreams for this. And, uh, you know, if somebody is uh, listening to us in Nebraska or Kansas, uh, you want them to contact you, correct? Absolutely. I want them to contact us because, um, you know, as you mentioned, we have a a great team um, and, and a great, Archivist, library archivist and researcher in Doug McCabe, who has, you know, really learned the ins and outs of how to uh, track down these stories and track down the public records that are available to tell the stories of these people. So yeah, we started in Athens because that's home. Um, and that's the, that's the place that we first learned about this. And of course, we'll probably continue to tell stories, um, from Athens, but we also want to tell stories from across the country and, and discover other cemeteries where maybe the work hasn't been done yet to connect the names and the numbers and, and help get that started. Um, so yeah, I have big dreams. I hope that, I hope that this podcast is the beginning of helping more people to learn about the people buried under numbers um, and hopefully motivate others to want to join in and uh, and work with us to tell more of these stories. A lot of people out there today are doing genealogical studies or, or you know, doing their family tree, as we used to call it in the old days. Uh, and Sometimes they come up with a roadblock. They they come up with somebody who they they can't quite figure out what happened to that person. They sort of drop off the the face of the page as they're doing their 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 lineage. Uh, would you suggest that they check with uh, maybe a a mental health facility in the in the region where they lived? to see if it's possible that this person was institutionalized and buried in a numbered grave? Yes. I mean, that's, that's the first place I would start. Um, you know, I, as I mentioned, um, Doug really helped a lot of people who were doing their research on ancestry, um, when they came up against that, that brick wall. Um, and because he had the names, he was, he was able to see, 
you know, who their parents were and then could, he could search. cross reference. Right. He could cross reference it. Yeah. Yep. And so he would reach out to people um, via the direct message system on Ancestry and say, hey, you might be looking for this person. If so, they're here. Um, so he had the records, but um, but, you know, a lot of those institutions still do have those records available. So I, I think that would be a good place to start. Or you could just email us at who lies beneath at WOUB.org and we will uh, we will see what we can find out and maybe we can work together to, to track some things down. So besides subscribing to the podcast and again, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, NPR podcast directory, all those you can subscribe. It, it, in addition to doing that, uh, where might they contact you? Are you on Facebook? Are you on mm-hmm. Twitter? Uh, give us sort of, and and slowly, so people can write these down. <laughs> Well, yes, we're on Facebook, um, and it's who Li- who lies beneath the asylum podcast. Um, that so you search for that on Facebook. Um, the at who lies podcast on Twitter, um, and then we also have who lies beneath at woub dot That's our email. You can reach out. Um, trying to think, I think those are the those are the three best ways. And um, on on those social media uh, formats, you'll be promoting uh, individual episodes as well as sharing any information you get uh, uh, along the way from others. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we're going to each week. Um, you know, so week one, episode one is um, just about the background of the asylum um, and how the cemetery has got started and what we know about why people were buried there. So that episode one is the setup for um, everything. And then episode two is that first episode where we'll have a voice actor tell the story of Viola Rapp. We'll also talk with her great granddaughter um, about the impact that it had to find her and, um, and, and just, you know, just how it kind of completed completed things um, for Viola's daughter, who never really knew what happened to her mom. Um, and so we'll individually promote each episode with with photos of the person, if we have one, um, and, you know, a little bit about their story um, each week as we move through the first season. Sherry, this has got to make you feel good to, <laughs> to, to, to be able to Tell stories with a meaning that that gives dignity and respect to people who have not had it in the past. Oh, it does. Um, I, you know, I when we first did the documentary um, for WOUB Public Television um, about a decade ago, um, you know, I I honestly don't even remember how the idea kind of came to me that we would use voice actors to tell this story. But I remember thinking. That's so powerful, you know, that we're that right. we're literally giving a voice to people who never really had their own voice in life. Um, and um, and it wasn't until it aired and I watched it air that it really hit me how powerful it was when it aired on television, um, because the next day, you know, I got a slew of emails and phone calls and, you know, just about how they never knew that and how they really connected with each particular person that we featured. Um, so the idea of taking that concept now and moving it into a podcast where I actually think 
it it could be more powerful because audio storytelling in this case, um, I, I, there's something intimate about it, I think, um, that I think is going to really uh, reach people and connect to a larger audience, you know, outside of Ohio um, to really kickstart something that, that I hope will, will grow. Um, I, I am, I'm really, I'm really proud of it. And I'm really proud of everyone who's worked on it, um, at WOUB and all the, all the people, uh, the team of people who have contributed to this podcast and, and, um, and I'm just excited to see what happens. Sherry, best of luck to you and, and your crew. I, I think that this is a very worthwhile project and I hope you get national traction from it. Thank you so much, Tom. I appreciate it. Today, we've been talking with host and producer Sherry Brusso of WOUB Public Media about her new podcast series, Who Lies Beneath? Spectrum is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hudson. Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or at NPR One. Spectrum also is available through the NPR Podcast Directory. We always welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it through one of your favorite podcast outlets. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast or have suggested topics for us to cover in the future, please direct them to me by email. You can do that at hodson at ohio.edu. That's hodson, H-O-D-S-O-N, at ohio.edu.